0: This is kind of a big motto of mine now, is there are no part time gangsters, you know. And Ooh, I, was line. To, line. I was trying, good line. Yeah, I was trying to do both things at a very high level. You know, I was trying to broker industrial real estate at a very high level, and I was trying to run a forty person fab shop. You know, we had flat lasers, robotic welders, precision press brakes. I mean, it you, you can't be both. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it.
1: And we're back for another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Revolved podcast, and I've got Jeremy Mercer here. What's going on, man? What's happening? How are you? <laughs> Doing good, man. Doing good. I've been I've been pumped for this one. Um, believe it or not, when we got connected, I sometimes have a decent memory. I think you were actually
0: like in the hospital, and you were getting like a surgery or something. Is that right? Yeah, I had my ankle reconstructed about seven months ago. So, dude, what was that like? Uh, it was, it was pretty painful. Um, it, uh, it, uh, you know, couldn't really, it was, I don't know what it is, man. The month of August is like, not my month this year. I, I, I had that ankle surgery, ended up in the hospital five days later on a completely unrelated issue. Had to go to the hospital. I mean, I was in the hospital three times. i would never been to the hospital in my life, you know, then the year before in August, I got COVID was down for like 30 days. so. August. I'm out on August right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So surgery was good though. It, you know, it was it was a long time coming. It, um, I, uh, you know, been in pretty intensive rehab and getting back to some normal normalcy in my life. So, that's good. So that's yeah. good, man. That's good. Yeah. So,
1: uh, dude, where is? I saw your last, last name's Mercer. I got that right. I think I believe it. Yeah. Gotta shake it off. But where does that come from, man? <sighs> That's it's a good question. Dude,
0: it's a great, <laughs> I don't know. It's a I really don't know
1: name. like Mercer, dude. You sound yeah. like you like you're like you're definitely like a soldier in the old days or something. Like that's a uh, great name, dude. That's a great I don't
0: know. Name. You know, it's funny, man. Like my dad's side of the family, like man, I just don't really know many of them. So I don't really know much of our family history, which is kind of horrible to say that. Um, you know, I'm I'm mostly European. That's what 23andMe told me. So let's just <laughs> somewhere go over there. Let's just go Irish and German, and you're going to probably hit somewhere along the lines. Yeah. Yeah. You're in there. So, <laughs> so
1: obviously, we jump in here. This is a, an entrepreneurial podcast, and I always have some such cool people on here and things like that. Um, I noticed that you were in the steel business before. I was like the main thing that you did. Is that a family run business? Did you start that off yourself?
0: Yeah. So my dad was in the steel business. Uh, He started, he worked in, he worked as a salesman for steel companies. He um, ended up starting his own business. It's called Mercer metals. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I got out of college, he had been trying to sell the company for a while. I went to work for him out of college I worked there about six months, and I was like, "I'm never gonna get rich working for you." So I left. Um, I started actually a rehearsal. I actually ended up buying a rehearsal studio at that time. Came back to work for my dad at some point and tried to buy the company because I knew he he was trying to sell it. And when I bought it from my dad, he he had um, it was like him and one employee. It wasn't like a really huge operation. So I bought it. Uh, kind of grew it a little bit you know, we were doing mainly distribution of steel items, uh, specialty tubing products. And then, um, you know, I was always doing real estate stuff and literally through a real estate deal, I acquired a fabricator and, um, that's when I ruined my life. And, uh, blew up. And (laughs) so I bought this other fabricator. It was great. It was cool, man. I was doing some of the coolest projects in the world. I was doing ballistic armor upfit kits for every single vehicle going into the military, man. I built, I I was really good at ground combat vehicle fabrication and then high speed conveyor systems for like Amazon buildings and stuff like that. I did a lot of, a lot of work with Siemens. Um, but a big issue I had, I had a partner and, uh, that partner's hand was touching a lot of money that went missing at some point. Oh, uh, okay. You know, yeah, gotten a massive lawsuit with them. Okay, uh, got him out. Got him out of the pro. Got him out of the company. Went flat broke. Wasn't bankable. Got a private equity company to give me about eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars to turn the ship around. We did it. Ended up selling it at a great multiple to a strategic buyer and got the hell out. I was. a, I got to a point where I had about forty employees and I just, I didn't. I was doing real estate too at the same time and. This is kind of a big motto of mine now, is there are no part time gangsters, you know. And Ooh, I, was to, I was trying, good line. Yeah, I was trying to do both things at a very high level, you know. I was trying to broker industrial real estate at a very high level, and I was trying to run a forty person fab shop. You know, we had flat lasers, robotic welders, precision press brakes. I mean, it you, you can't be both, you know what I mean? And it's a, uh, You know, it's funny. I hear, you know, when I see in social media, everybody's like, Hey, what's your side hustle? I'm like, your side hustle is bullshit. That's that's all it is. You know, I mean, it's like, dude, there are no part-time gangsters. And so now with, with the private equity company I run, like that's our first core value. There are no part-time gangsters. So that's kind of our tagline. And that's what I learned from a lot of that. And, um, I learned how to go broke and rebuild myself and I, you know, I lost a lot of money doing it, but, uh, also got out unscathed, learned how to sell a now company. That was
1: off of, cause like, obviously your, your stories, like it sounds so impactful. I actually, I read yeah. something you said, said something, I, I remember I wrote it down. I was like, I was like, talk about a jump here. You had, something was written on here. let so I get it right. Uh, July of two thousand fourteen, with an acquisition of the first commercial investment real estate or investment property. Since then, he has managed over two hundred and ten thousand square feet with the Trinity. And I was like, wow, there's like a huge shift there. You had like yeah. a tough
0: period, right? Well, I started back in when I was about 24, I started managing industrial buildings. I was managing about a 210, 250,000 foot portfolio. So I was like running like three jobs at one time. Right. Uh, obviously you're a musician. I'm a musician. You know, I'm actually, I'm in my home studio. I got about a thousand square foot jam room. I'm sitting here in right now. Oh, you know, come on. The, Why
1: you got to throw that at me?
0: I got to yeah. throw the San Diego sun at you just to keep up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I dumped the property management went into brokerage full time. I had my dad's company just sitting there on autopilot running, which is where I wish I would have left it, you know. That's where I was kind yeah. of trying to pull the story back. So
1: basically, just to kind of clear the story, it was basically you still had your dad's business was kind of going there. You acquired a building which had fabrication. And then you yeah. said, look, I can take advantage of this opportunity. So now right. you're back to going, what's the meat and potatoes? And that was kind of the family. It, that's got to be in your genes, right? My family yeah, was but- a lumber business. And yeah. ended up switching out for many years. we were in the lumber business. And anytime my dad picks up wood, it's like this natural thing. Was that like you was steel, like growing up, it's like kind of a, yeah,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, I could, I mean, I knew steel, I knew fabricate, you know, I just knew, you know, was, I've been doing it since I was five years old. Yeah. That's what um, I but yeah, uh, you know, it's, um, but you know, I'm glad I'm out of it. You know, it, it was, it was a great learning experience. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of, you know, what happened also I got a, how I got into commercial real estate was my brother, you know, naturally he went into the steel business when he got out of college and worked for my dad for a little bit, went to a company called Reliance, they're probably the largest publicly traded steel company, took one of their their smallest their their worst territory, turned it into their best territory, got a raise of $100 a month and told them to go shove it. Like, and so he was like, "Hey, I'm going to either going to medical sales or commercial real estate. And uh, he looked at medical sales and realized it was all hot chicks. And so he ended up in industrial real estate. Me and my brother have always worked together a lot. So I- Oh, know, that's cool. That path. So um, so that's how eventually I got there, you know, uh, into the brokerage world probably about 12 years ago. And, uh, you know, running in tandem, running my dad's company. And then a couple of years into that, I bought that other company and that's when everything really went bad, you know, it just, it just got too big, too fast, bad partner, you know, not keeping my eye on the ball, you know, thinking other people would run the show better than me, you know, let them do it. And, I, but Hey, you know, lesson learned, I got out of it. So what's the difference? Cause um, I talk a lot about with entrepreneurs, I was like, momentum
1: is like so important. And what's the difference um, between, Uh, running something that has like parts and fabrications, kind of like this high, like, I don't want to say high, I like to always use RPMs, but it's like in a business that has like a high RPM, right? You're kind of sending items that are, you know, maybe they are thousands of dollars, but you know, you got to send a bunch of them. Then you go into something like commercial real estate. It's like, uh, yeah. How did you, how do you handle that? you know, how do you handle that mentally? Because it's two different, different rhythms. If we're talking about music, yeah,
0: I found yeah, totally.
1: there's a rhythm between the type of businesses and you find the businesses that I like are actually very high RPMs because my personality yeah. manages at high RPMs.
0: Yeah, but
1: yeah. When you do commercial real estate, I, I would think, you could obviously educate me here, but I would think that there's just this kind of like, come on, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that shit. Um, you know, uh, the parts world or any world, it's very it's very black and white, right? Here's a PO. You're going to make this shit for this much money. You're going to sell to me. You're going to deliver it to me by this state. It's going to be to this tolerance. Here's the drawing. You know, I was a, I was a, a, a job shop, right? I built a print, you know, everybody bring me whatever they need. I build it. Um, real estate is man. It's commercial real estate to me is I'm playing poker. I'm playing chess. I'm playing checkers and I'm doing it all on top of a monopoly board at one time. Right. Right. Um, you know, I'm putting a lot of pieces together. Commercial real estate is a whole world of off market. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not the ML. We don't have the MLS, right? We don't, we've got CoStar, but that shit's about 80% accurate and all the stuff really happens off the market. So it's a, it's a big puzzle you're putting together. Right. And so it, some deals take a long time. And what's also frustrating where you sometimes get screwed in commercial real estate is when you make a deal quickly because of your knowledge and then someone sees what my fee is and they're like, oh, this guy didn't deserve that much money on this. It only took them a couple hours, but they yeah. don't see the 10 deals that I got my ass ice picked on, you know, Yeah. before. So the good thing is, is you uh, in the parts world, you know, you get your PO, you make your part, you it's all on you. Right. Mm. You're the you, you have it then you have control. Right. Sometimes, man, you just have zero control over people in this world. So. So that so that's
1: uh, so the question I was actually having this is actually an interesting one because that actual kind of closing that out is like I believe that there is a rhythm in a business. And when you look at kind of yeah, like yeah. you look at if you were a musician, obviously you have a little square footage there, I'd love to come and play. But ultimately at the end of the day, there's a rhythm that happens, and like you kind of yeah. get into this rhythm. And we kind of were obviously just talking about that. Here's a thing that I thought was kind of always interesting anybody that's ever driven into the desert areas and I grew up like inland from um, San Diego, LA, things like that. You always go into these areas and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, look at the size of this building. And it's like a Skechers shoe or like a, you know, um, I don't know. I was going to say something like LA Knights old, old shoes or something, but you look at the building and you're like, what the hell are they going to do with that? If the lease falls out, what is the thought pattern Cause these buildings are, I mean, you're talking like, it's like beyond, it's like you look at a city or something. So what is the thought pattern in going in and as, as a business move and saying, wow, this, what happens if this tenant doesn't go? Is it a 10 year lease? How do you look at those things?
0: I look at anything that I could jump down, turn around and go get at least cause I know how to get on the street and go get it done. So it's very specific to me. Right. Um, but, uh, I also make sure I buy an asset that I could just turn out of somehow. You know, I mean, yeah, the, the tenant can burn out on you, but did you buy the property right? Did you, you didn't get over your skis on the value of the property because you paid for a lease, right? If you did, well, that's just stupid. You know, I, uh, you know, I, when I immediately look at a building, I always look at it and go, okay, how in the hell am I going to get out of this, right? if everything goes to shit right like how am i getting out of this and um you know does it have a great yard component with it which a lay down yard is huge for uh trucking or manufacturing that needs stuff for outside storage that doesn't necessarily be covered you know does the building have any you know real bad uh functional obsolescence that how do i overcome right you know because buildings have been built you know buildings were I deal with a lot of older buildings and they were built back when trucks weren't 53 foot trailers and, you know, they uh, were, you know, yeah, truck yeah. ports are smaller. So how do you, how do you reposition that building to work for modern day logistics and stuff like that? So, you know, it's like, I bought a building uh last year and uh it was 10 foot clear, which is horrible. I mean, that is like, that is like the death sentence in, uh, in industrial buildings. And, um, but it had a good land component with it. And it was two buildings, right? So my exit strategy was, look, it's 25,000 feet. I got a 12 and a 14 here approximately, and I could split them in half and sell them to two separate people, which is what I did. And we made a great return on it. So, you know, but they had this yard component that I knew someone that could, I could overcome the clear height with the yard. So it just really, it's a case by case basis, but you know, I got to have some good exit strategy, multiple exit strategies before I go into the asset. So I'm I'm trying to think about the end at the beginning. So,
1: and I think when it comes to real estate, you have someone that says, "I'm going to go buy or buy or rent." Obviously, yeah, Airbnb now. But basically, yeah. you would say, "Look, I'm going to go buy a rental property, and then what you go to like your duplex mentally, right? And you're like, oh, I'm going to get sure. a duplex and to get it something with six units, eight units, whatever that is. What's the mental framework? Of saying I'm not going to do residential and I'm going to go do commercial. When is what is that decision? Do you think? Do you think it's I don't I, I my personality, I don't want to deal with people in a Saturday and Sunday? Or do you think it's I I can withstand time? Do you think it's just a different skill
0: set? And I it's a different skill set. Um, very common though, on a lot of you know, there's you know business is business, right? All businesses kind of have the same framework around them. Uh, you know, I, I view my building process as a manufacturing process, right? You know, we get we get the building under contract, we get in or, you know, so I just try to think of it that terms. You know, additionally, I've just ran that lap so long that I can look at a building. I have the eye, right? I've I've looked at these buildings. I've done on the brokerage end, I've brokered over nine million square feet, you know? So like I've ran this lap. There's so for a lot me of
1: instinct that just kicks in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I've just done this, you know, and um, there's a lot of people that get in it and, you know, you just got to kind of, it's like anything, man, nothing. uh, You don't just jump into commercial. I don't think, Uh, you know, a lot more information on residential, a lot more regulation around residential to protect you as a consumer, you know, commercial is the wild west, right? So you could totally get your ass handed to you if you don't know all the things that are going to happen in that transaction. Like I always thought it was funny in Texas, you know, like if you want to put a property on the MLS, you got to input 100% of the information or it will not generate into the MLS. Well, there's no requirement like that for commercial. Like there's no good information on commercial. You always are trying to extrapolate everything and trying to figure it out. And And why does it breed that? Man, I don't know i don't know i really don't it's uh uh i think it's just industry like so for uh, i'm in the martial arts world
1: big time and i always go and yeah. train and things like that and there's always like martial artists always show up late or like uh i worked for harley for five years wrote harley's all over the place done a bunch of stuff yeah. and like we'd always use a um a powder coater and we all always knew the powder coater would it take four weeks and you're like why i don't know
0: yeah yeah, it's um, you know, that's the challenge too. Like um, you know, uh uh educating when I represent somebody, right? Especially entrepreneurs, right? They're like, what you know, what the fuck? Like, I want to lease the building. Yeah, I know you want to lease the building. Well, why won't they give me a lease? Well, there's shit going on. Like, you know, just for instance, you know, it's like uh you might know, you know, Ryan Stuman, right? So I'm working with him on, on a new site right now. And and uh I just told him one day, I said, hey man, you got to understand, we're not buying a 3-2, you know? Yeah. All these sites, everything's very unique, right? And it's very unique to the business. So, and then on top of that, you're dealing with institutions, right? We're dealing, you're dealing, with, you know, somebody's like, well, this building's been sitting vacant. Why won't they take 20% off? Well, because what you don't understand is that that building owner, has an asset manager behind it that underwrote a number, and they can't sell the building on a spreadsheet to another institution if they don't have that number, and they will devalue the building by more than twenty percent on a cap rate basis if they take your lower deal. So that's the disconnect. Where an entrepreneur is like, "Man, get my building leased, you know, get you know, let's let's move on to the next deal, right?" Well, you, know, you deal with these institutions, and they just. It's it's totally different thinking, right? So uh, what I've also see a lot of too is in commercial real estate, you just get people with a shitload of money, and they literally have a hundred thousand foot warehouse that they just let it sit there and deteriorate because grandpa built it, dad managed it, and now they've inherited all this money, and you're asking them to go work. So it's kind of like this. Yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah. At all, so,
0: there's yeah. a property there's a property around the corner from my house.
1: And literally this thing has been vacant for 20 years. And you're talking million dollar homes, right? 20 20 years. And literally no one's a cleaner comes like every three months and leaves. And so I it's got to be caught in a
0: trust or something. It's just sure. But let let, let me put it this way: if you were in a real estate family, and let's say, hey Jason, you get up at. You get up at nine in the morning. You can wake up at nine in the morning, and you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a month in cash flow before you even woke up. You made a hundred thousand dollars, but if you wake up at six a.m., you're going to make a hundred and ten. Do you really care? Like, no. Do you remember so, being
1: younger, and your buddy would be like, "I don't really want to make any more money because they're going to tax me more."
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. That doesn't work yeah. yeah yeah it's so so there's a lot of things within commercial real estate that it, it's hard to conceptualize from the outside and then once you get into it a little more you know you understand what makes what makes the things tick right um so uh it's uh it's it's just different
1: it's just it a different world of, and this is I think a good question because I think that people they think you just go almost like an investment, right? The difference would be like, hey, I I have my business running. I'm going to take this cash. I want to go and make an investment in there. But the difference between what you do is you actually have commercial business. So with that, I think that what you were just talking about is like you have a process of buying properties and then the process triggers the things that outs the property, I'm assuming. Yeah. Really. It's like being a pilot. Like your real job is like, I got to get on the ground, but really I got to check all these things off. I got to go through this thing because it's all about, it's all about safety at the end. And so yeah. it sounds like your process mitigates those problems before. So you probably say no to more properties than people think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've got a really good deal flow. So it's like I can see anywhere from five to 15 deals a week, Uh, you know, maybe, six to seven of those make it, uh, to underwriting, you know, out of those six to seven, maybe three of them will generate enough interest out of the underwrite in the plan to, uh, either tour it or make an offer, you know, and then see where it goes, you know? So, uh, but then, you know, so that's, you know, that's the, that's the funnel, right. You know, and, and, uh, that, that gets us down to where we're at with, uh, a certain, uh, property,
1: So here's the question. So obviously we have entrepreneurs that watch the show and things like that. And so as the, as entrepreneurs start making more money, there's two different options you have, right? Mm -hmm. Go deeper into your business, dive and scale. And then usually that gets a little boring for entrepreneurs. They kind of go, oh, I got to just do this over. So they look for the sizzle, right? So what what would be this, the the option now that you have a lot of people that are making money in the the internet space, they're trying to go to land, kind of the old gold method. Mm -hmm. What is that first thing that you would recommend to look at? Like, is it drive around and sign, see vacant buildings? Is it ask a friend? You know, what is that first
0: round? Um, Well, I think it's, do you want to invest in real estate or do you want to operate? You know, and I go back to, there are no part-time gangsters. So, I deal with tons of entrepreneurs. Out of the nine million square feet I've brokered, it is all local business owners making local decisions with their business. You know, so they've made money. They're this entrepreneur talking about, right? And their their business is doing great. And they're like, "Hey, I want to invest in real estate." I'm like, "Okay, well, let's talk." Now, "Hey, I want to buy a building, an investment building." Okay, do you want to invest or you want to operate? Oh, what do you mean? Well, here's what I mean. I operate. I'm fully integrated. With property management, leasing, construction management, da, 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 you know, all the way through, I can sell you a building. You can do all that yourself, but you operate a furniture company. Mm-hmm. You know, when the alarm goes off at a vacant building at nine o'clock at night, do you want to answer that call or do you want me to answer that call? You know, so um, and some people do it. Some guys, you know, they kind of want to go moonlight in real estate, and you know. They, they'll have some success you know that happens too so then so then so then I, you know usually the answer is they want to just invest with me and so then that's what happens so i would say if you have a business that still requires you to to be involved in it to some degree uh you might just want to find a good person to invest with you know find the guy that's doing it full time you know yeah they're going to get paid but you don't have to think you know what i mean it's like it's like just give it to the guy that's doing this all day long right and so uh that's that's kind of what i would recommend you know that's you know i mean it obviously that's sounds what like do. From the conversation is i like can do, do an apprenticeship meaning like you don't
1: get all your money you're not going to get the whole you know gambit but but get next to someone that's like playing the game that you right like give a shot right because it's like we make we make so many mistakes on the, to get to that next level, that what you're saying is take the 15% or 10% or take whatever. Don't, you know, if you're going to do it for the long run, you know, kind of, what is that? uh, You know, uh, what is that? uh, You just, uh, word I'm looking for, but basically you're just trying to brush off all the nerves and all the junk that comes with going through. Cause I would assume buying a two point, you know, four million dollar building you're holding your nuts for a second like son of
0: a sure kid.
1: what am i yeah doing? family what if this thing falls out what if i mean look at this market you know what are we doing yeah. are we going back to work so i think that there's probably a huge
0: kind of a so, a so I, I would think if you want to get into investing in the commercial world i think you need the i think you need a one uh look at some of the different asset classes and figure out what you're really interested in. And maybe it's a couple different ones, but then at that point, I think you need to then find a sponsor that's doing that, you know, you know, like, and that's what they do. Right. And. Oh, that's and interesting. Then you,
1: okay, cool. Yeah. So the, these guys, that's, that's interesting. That is what they do. Yeah. They moonlight in a way with you. They, they yeah. With yeah. Those. So I, I mean, deals, deals.
0: right. You know, I have LPs and all my deals, right. You know, uh, a lot of them, Occupy an industrial warehouse, so they're very comfortable with an industrial investment from that standpoint. And then, most likely, I probably sold them that industrial warehouse, so they're comfortable with me from a transaction standpoint. Uh, If I brought them an apartment complex, they probably look like I had three heads, right? Because it's not what I do. Mm -hmm. So I I think I think if you're going to look at getting investing into commercial real estate or honestly any kind of syndicated type deal, look at the sponsor first. Like, really, look at the sponsor, you know, if, if that guy doesn't know what he's doing or if he's if he's doing this and he's doing that and they're doing this. Hey, we're doing some crypto. Hey, we're selling watches. Hey, you know, I mean, it's like. Back to there are no part time gangsters, right? Like, when did you when did you make that decision? To, to that comment, what, like, that oh, comment. that comment, Oh, I probably made that like, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago when I was looking at some brokers, I'd be like, you know, every broker in our office would come to me be like, hey, how do you do? You know, because I was always our top producer. Hey, how do you do this? I'm like, man, this ain't part time for me. Like I'm here in the morning. I'm here till night. Like I'm doing this shit, you know? So I was like, there are no part time gangsters in this. And so I just kind of stuck from there. Right. So um, but that's what that's what I see. You know, understand how an LPA agreement works. Right. Uh, You know. How's the sponsor getting paid? Uh, You know, there's usually some kind of uh, promote structure in the deal, but I see guys that want to get their promote up front, which I think is absolute fucking bullshit um, on a deal, uh, because I don't think you should be paid until you make a baby, right? Like, it's like, we got to have an event happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need I, I would look for in a sponsor, someone that's putting their own money in. I put all. I looked in, I've got 53 active investors with me right now. I'm the third highest investor in my portal. So you're, you're, I'm you're putting, putting your weight. Yeah, you're like, look, yeah. I want my money too. Yeah. yeah, I'm putting my money in and I'm signing the debt, you know. So um, so that's what I would look at. I would look at the sponsor, I would look at their fee structure, I would look at what their promote structure is. And then I would look at how much they're putting in. Is this what they do on a regular basis? You know, it's like I started doing a bunch of land deals uh, in central Texas. I didn't raise it with any of my partners because I was like, I got to go do one of these first. I got to get a couple of these under my belt before I say, hey, do y'all want to invest in this? Because I don't want to come at them with something that I got no proof of concept with, you know? Yeah. So um, uh, now, again, you know, uh, so, but... There's a lot to these buildings that or or any commercial property that I don't, you know, you can get in with an LP, invest alongside them, and maybe that works great. And you never do anything else because what do you, you know, all you're doing is giving your money and you get a distribution, right? And you get to look at a building and go, hey, I own that, but like I literally have zero responsibilities with it. Because even though commercial, you know, the tenant is responsible for most things, there's always something going on. Don't kid yourself. Right. You know, there's always an issue, you know, uh, with something. Uh, So that's why we have property management. But, uh, you know,
1: one time I didn't um, I'd never seen this. I think it was probably, you know, accredited investors and things like that. What people can get into the bigger deals was when Grant Cardone um, had released that big fund that he did. And it wasn't. Yeah. Ty Lopez also did one around um, e-commerce businesses. I think he got like, um, what was that? Uh, Radio Shack or something like that. And he kind of used that concept. Is that the kind of concept that you like to do, which is basically a group of people coming in? I mean, the numbers are 20, 30, 40, you know, 40 people that are involved in an actual building, or does that become a fucking pain in the ass? Because
0: dude- well. Yeah. So, um, Investors not aren't always fun. <laughs> no, no. But, um, I think I've learned from the brokerage side, it's the same thing, like having a listing, you know, uh, in, in commercial brokerage, we don't have automatic showing systems, right? Like we have to go show every property. We don't, you know, we don't give them a fob and they go, you know, everybody doesn't have their own fob, just go on whatever, how to go see um, so the owners always constantly want updates, um, and my deals too, uh, they are partners that I do a lot of stuff with. So we're constantly talking on other stuff. Uh, and usually a deal probably won't have more than 10 people in it. Right. Every deal is deal by deal. I don't do a fund. I just do deal by deal syndication. Uh, but, uh, the one thing I do do, and I did get this from Grant Cardone and I think it's genius. I make monthly distributions, right? So That's if you nice, want to know how nice, things nice. are, yeah. yeah. If you want to know how things are going on, you know, make sure you, you look in your, your checking account and you got your distribution, right? Uh, two, you know, sometimes we're not making distributions on property because we bought it vacant or the tenant is moving in and there's usually a free rent period and tenant improvement, you know, stabilization period, you know? So I just kind of, or we vacant, looking for a tenant, right? So um, I just, I mean, I got a great assistant. I get on my phone, I voice Memo in every single update on every single property, and she sends it to all the investors. So, if they're getting that update once a month and they're getting their check in the mail once a month, there's really not much more to talk about, you know. And I'll be honest with you if some if there's an investor that starts wanting to get on my ass all the time about stuff, like
1: what was the movie Heat? No, what was it? Um, what was the Mafia movie? And uh, oh, come on, was it good <laughs> fellas? Was it good? Yeah. And the one guy kept kept complaining. What's yeah. My
0: money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you're going to be that guy after I've given you the update, like, you know, or if you like want to be completely up in my business, like we probably ain't going to do business together again. Like it's just going to happen. my top equity partner. He doesn't even like, I sell him buildings outside of our syndication from now and then he doesn't even go look at them. He just like, you know what you're doing. Just go get it done. Tell him some your rent. So it's like anything in life, right? Like the bigger equity partners, they don't ask questions because mm-hmm. they've done their homework and on who they're investing in. You don't want the investor that's got five grand to invest, you know? Um, and they're like, you know, Hey man, uh, when do we getting some money back? It's like, bro, this ain't, this is not a liquid investment. Like this yeah. is, <laughs> this is a, uh, this is a, this is a strategy. This is a, uh, you know, do we flip them? Yeah. Every now and then, but I mean, dude, a flip could take nine months, you know, even if we got it agreed to. So,
1: that's um, a good, so you're, I mean, obviously this is going to go everywhere. You've got different property values and things like that, but for somebody to go into, cause I think that's a pretty, I mean, that's reasonable. I mean, the conversation that you just had was like, Hey, get in this. I think it was a little bit of like um, being a part of purchasing. Like I've, I've um, purchased mapping and things like that. And they did homes mm-hmm. and I've kind of went through the process. It's like going to the court for the first time. You're like, Oh no. And then you realize like, wait a minute, I can do that in, in, in those scenarios. How many properties a year are you looking? Is your goal, a, obviously it's a profit goal, but yeah, is is the number, is the domino driven by the number of properties purchased or is it tenants broken down? Like, how do you look at a year and saying, we want to hit our goals? Because I mean, obviously it'd be easy. We want 15 properties, but you're like, okay.
0: Yeah, I do it more by um, uh, just pure uh Dollars. You know, last year my goal was to buy 25 million. I bought 35 million. This year my goal is to buy 100 million. You know, I've already bought 10. I've got 10 under contract, negotiating another 20. Right. So I just kind of go by dollar amount. Right. Uh, my goal is in you know by the end of 2031 to have acquired a billion you know done done a billion in acquisitions. Well, I sell some stuff in between there. Yeah, sure, absolutely, but uh, uh you know so I want to scale to about a billion in total acquisitions by then and see what happens. So um, it's uh you know uh, but the goal is to always buy the property right, buy the right asset you know uh, buy it with the end in mind right. If if the world the shit hits the fan, the world goes to shit like. Could I get that built? You know, and what's great about what I do in industrial is, I mean, the shit hit the fan and in industrial caught on fire, right? Like it just went, you know, COVID well, came. Was my,
1: actually, that was my next topic. That was literally yeah.
0: my next topic. So what, and I, you can back this up because I want to throw
1: it out there. It's like, for me, pandemic hit, my instincts went, oh, because I've been working at home for years and doing traveling and doing all that kind of stuff. And I went, no, I don't know if anybody's going to go back. So what happens? Does it turn into, do these buildings turn into like, um, you know, research and development? Does it turn into just manufacturing? What happens to America buildings if we're not going? Because I don't think, I mean, I don't know, but it's going to take some weird stuff to get people to sit in a cubicle again.
0: Yeah. So what was interesting through all that, you know, you know, for obviously the first part of, you know, I mean, I, I had multiple deals under contract on representation deals, I saw so many people lose hard earned money. Cause they just said, fuck it, we're out. Like, we don't know what's going on. You know, there was a deal here in Dallas guy lost 15 million in hard earned money. Uh, just because, oh. <laughs> but that was at his own decision. Right. He was like, I ain't buying this. Like I'm out, I'll lose the fifth. But it was like, you know, it was like $120 million deal. So 15 million of that guy might've not have been that much, you know, but it was, you know, the situation was enough. Uh, and then, but industrial never stopped, right? Like, it literally just went up because- Is that we what happened? Like, like, I didn't follow. Like,
1: how yeah. does that,
0: how- Yeah, where does your groceries come from? They yeah. came from a warehouse. You know what I mean? Like, everything's coming out the back of a warehouse. But wasn't
1: now. that already, but wasn't that, and again, I'm just talking shit. I don't know. But wasn't yeah. that already what was going on? Like, what happened yeah, to the, like, all these buildings with all these people?
0: Yeah, so, well, the office buildings, like, I've never wanted to own an office building. I never will own an office building. Um, I don't think I will. If I do, it'll be because I invested with someone that buys office buildings. Um, But uh, yeah, office is going to have a hard time coming back, I think. Uh, But the, the industrial space, man, it just literally, I mean, it, in Dallas, Fort Worth, it literally doubled in price. Like it is since COVID came back has doubled in price. And um, the demand. So there's a couple of factors on demand. One, uh, you know, we just need more. You know, it's crazy. Like California, Inland Empire is the hottest industrial market in the United States right now. You that's know, where
1: I grew up. that's my hometown. Yeah, buddy.
0: yeah. So I mean, it's 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 crazy. In Riverside,
1: but, Inland Empire. That's funny. Yeah, I pull that yeah. Out everywhere. <laughs>
0: Well, it's 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 the hottest industrial market in the world that's right because now. of what the two the
1: 210 freeway which is way up at the top and, it, and that's the connector to la yeah so then you have the 10 that'll take you all the way out to vegas or 15 yeah or whatever.
0: yeah but you got to get to the rail too you got the rail out there right you know it's coming in containers coming off port so the rail will come to the rails you know it'll come to the the hubs here in dallas right straight from long beach so um uh but industrial managers it just, it just kept going. You know, people needed more more and more space. It just, I, I, you know, a lot of it was e-commerce, you know, all these Amazon has spawned off all these little e-commerce businesses. They all operate out of a warehouse, you know? Um, and uh, you know, as other things ramp, you know, other things ramped up and required, you know, more space so that Provides third party logistics providers to go get bigger spaces because they got to service their, you know, if you're, you know, like GAF, if you're a roofing shingle manufacturer, you know, everything has just gone up in demand, right? Well, plus, you know, the government, you know, printed so much money, there's so much money in our ecosystem now, you know, that everybody is just spending more, right? So um, that's naturally going to push assets up. But, uh, you know, the good thing about the industrial stuff is it just, it kind of just, cloud right through that, you know, it just didn't have a problem. You know, retail had an issue. Um, office had a bigger issue. Um, office seems to be coming back to a degree, but I don't know that it's ever going to be what it was because here's, here's what you have. So imagine you're a law, you know, here, the, the true test for office is going to be in the next coming years, because if let's say you're a big law firm, right. Or, um, you know, uh, some, some big accounting, user. accounting
1: department. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Accounting department. Right. Okay. Well um, you occupied five floors of a building, right? Okay. Well, your lease is coming up on a 10 year renewal, right? Off a 10 year renewal. You signed this lease in 2014, right? When everything's blowing and going the way, you know, it's sure. Five floor plates. Yeah. We're going to need it. You know, well, now they're going to go, Hey, we're going to renew, but we just want one floor plate because everybody else is going to work remotely. We've got this new, hybrid you're working from home these days you're in the office these days i think that's the challenge of office what's crazy to me is people are still building office towers and i'm just like dude like the vacancy on them is right now like we don't need more space like there's plenty oh i was in downtown sandy
1: i was just down there you know and um yeah i was driving around i was looking at the buildings i'm like what are these people gonna and they're all these downtowns are just turning into dumps anyways and you're yeah. like now you know these people not only not only one of the reasons of downtowns you would want to live downtown so you could just do the whole walk world you walk to right. your work and everything And it's, I mean, I love San Diego. Obviously, I love Southern California, but you go downtown right now and you live downtown and you work downtown. You got to walk through a shithole, dude. Like you've literally got to walk through. We were down not too, not that long ago, whatever. I don't know, what was our meal? 200 and something bucks. And I'm sitting outside and I can like smell the shit (laughs) coming from, you know, around the corner. It's just like, what the heck are we doing with these cities, man? What?
0: Yeah, it's, and, and dude, Dallas ain't, Dallas, Dallas is letting the same shit happen, man. They're, I mean, the, the, you know, that's, that's a big issue. It's a lot of homeless everywhere. Uh, you know, the big thing for me is they, they strip uh, copper, you know, they strip copper out of my buildings. So that's, no, you know, because
1: buy- I remember we, uh, with you obviously being in uh, metal and things like that. I remember it was funny. I did think about copper. I remember Inland Empire probably was the largest copper stealers.
0: Well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I went to a building the other day that was getting stripped and ran up on the guys doing it, you know? So it's a, it's a, as it, it, soon as I, if I buy a vacant building, there is an alarm on it immediately. And if my team doesn't have an alarm on it, I am losing my mind until there is one on it. But, that's not an issue. We got that all teed up, ready to go the day after closing. So, because it'll be gone, you know, they will just strip it out. So I think
1: that kind of the, out of all this, I think that like going through this, obviously this is what you've chosen to do. And there's only one God you serve and that's the way it makes it the best way. But in that, I think that the, the concept of other people being able to jump into those different deals and kind of get the feel, what would you say is an invest? Like, where should people say, look, hey, I got this much money and I'm, I'm looking to go 100 grand, 150, 10, 20 grand. What is usually the benchmark to at least be a part, right? I mean, you got to be a part. Yeah,
0: I usually, I usually with a new LP, if someone came to me and said, hey, I've got 200 grand, right, or 150 grand, I say, look, why don't you just put 50 grand in the next three deals, you know? Uh, that way, you know, you're going to get it. I kind of have a mixed bag, all industrial, but there's always a different situation, right? We have, we have the vacant building that we got to fix up, you know, and everybody's going to look at that and go, Ooh, that thing's ugly. And to me, I'm like, man, there's a shitload of money in that thing. You know, (laughs) like just, just wait, like the beauty. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and, um, so there's that, then we'll have the building that's fully leased. So there's no risk really right now. It's fully leased, but it's a low return, right? You know, uh, lower projected return. And then then I have what I call my basis plays, right? You know, like I bought a deal the other day that's really not, not going to cash flow because the lease is in place. But I got the basis, maybe I got the building maybe 50 to $100 a foot under market and it's 42,000 feet. So just sit around for a couple of years, guys. When we get these leases burned off, we're gonna make some money, you know. Now, so, when you bring
1: in that money, are you using it to pay the loan? Do, do you actually like stockpile? No,
0: it? no. I, I, you know, to get a loan, you have to have one at least one and a quarter debt service coverage ratio with the leases in place. So the leases are paying. Got it. You just might have to put more equity down to get to that debt service coverage ratio if you have a if you have a very low um, low yield on the on the leases. So, so like for instance, that deal right there, that was a It was a $6.3 million purchase. We had to put $4.3 million down. So we raised $4.3 million and put it in that building and then got an underlying loan at 2 million. So, and then you distribute monthly if, if there's a rent. Yeah. Yeah. Then we'll just, yeah. And so this one, it'll be very small distributions just because we, we just hit the minimum debt service coverage. Right. So, so, but the play on that building is just wait a couple of years you know, one tenant burns off in two and a half years. The other tenant burns off in four years, you know, maybe the tenant that burns off in two and a half years, we either reposition their rent to market or we sell it to a user that wants to occupy that side and have a tenant in the other side with only a year and a half left, a term left so that he can jack their rent up. You know what I mean? So there's a couple of different options with that thing, but but the assets as well,
1: the psychology behind something. So anybody in business or so like, the fastest way that you can get them a result in any pot, like if you can get the positive result like as fast as possible, it's like the complaining kind of you get a, a bandwidth, right? It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I was happy. And then you're kind of like, okay, people's lives turn around, you start going around. And it sounds like the same thing. It's like you invest some, even if it was like 50 bucks, you'd be like, I'm in the game. I'm in so yeah. probably psychologically get less complaining just because people feel like they're actually okay, I'm moving forward, right? I'm actually Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, some guys. You know, for me, like I I want to get the money back to you, right? Like I want to, I want. I mean, I'm getting money too, right? Like I love cash flow. Like I'm getting paid cash flow too. I want my distribution, so I want to get those out. Sometimes the business plan just doesn't call for it for a while, you know. And so, but but a lot of guys are like, oh man, I don't care. Like this is money I didn't expect to, like I expect a return in years on this. You know, it's not a, it's it's not a it's not a stock. It's not a you know, it's a it's an asset. So. Um, so yeah, as long as everybody understands that going into the deal, and I'm very clear about what the plan is, you know, on each deal. So, and, uh, and right now, with the way that assets have shot up in value so much, they are completely underleased, right? Because a lease signed three years ago, well, rents have increased almost 10 to 15% year over year. Well, hell well, yeah. The last two years, like there's got to be a big <laughs> whack coming. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's like, man, I got guys coming off five-year leases, tenants that I represented and it's, I call it shock and awe. Like they are like, they get their renewal and they are like, fuck you. Fuck the landlord. Fuck all y'all. I'm like, this is not me, you uh-huh. know, but they don't, they don't ever want to buy into the fact too that like, and I'm selling my products for two to three times as what I used to, but fuck all y'all anyways, you know? So it's like, It's like, but like, but, you know, so no one ever wants to admit that part of it. Right. But, um, but rents are going up. So, uh, you know, uh, that's why I'm buying a lot of deals now that I'm buying for the next deal. I'm not buying the in-place deal today. I'm buying the next deal when that deal burns off because they don't have a fixed renewal option. They have a market renewal or they don't have a renewal option, you know, or there's some kind of escape hatch for me to get that tenant out of the building, you know, or, or whatever the play is, you know, or it might be a sale lease back where I'm getting a great deal on the building. And I think the tenant's probably going to default, which is probably what I actually want to happen in that situation, because I can't unlock the equity in the deal until he's out of the building. Right. Yeah, so it's like a squeeze, you'd rather squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, look, okay, you want to do a sale lease back because you need money for your business. Great. Um, and in three years you might default, but I bought your building. 40 bucks a foot cheaper than, than the others, than I would have paid a market, but you got a 10 year lease. Right. So I really can't do anything with you except for the lease until you default. Right. So sometimes that might even be the play, you know, uh, it, it, I don't, I don't hope they fail. That's not, I mean, I made the deal on a 10 year lease. Right. That's the deal I made, but I mean, I can just kind of see the writing on the wall. What's well, probably going to happen, you know? So if that get, happens, like, if great.
1: people that do rental properties, like the, the tenants are kind of different. Would you say that the, the people are different because they're fighting for a different battle, right? It's like, I got to keep my kids there or I become a pain in the ass resident, you know, a, a renter. And I'm, when I leave, I wreck the whole place or whatever. Does that happen in
0: commercial? It's kind of the same mentality. Uh-huh. Mm, Not as much, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had residential houses and yeah, you know, the dog shits everywhere and they leave it just, you know,
1: how does this even happen? (laughs)
0: Like this is impossible. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I try to buy buildings where you actually have someone that's kind of done something, you know, Uh, you know, my, I'd say my average, you know, it'd be interesting, you know, I don't know this. I'd be interesting to know what the average annual revenue of my tenants were, you know, but I mean, they're probably doing $5 million a year in revenue at least, you know what I mean? So you kind of got a little more sophisticated. That that would kind of,
1: that'd be interesting if you actually could see revenue of residents. I don't know. They're not know they are I you know I what can. actually there is contracts that, that actually there's like a percentage of revenue, right? There is contracts.
0: Of- oh well, that's um those are retail deals. Yeah. We don't do that in industrial, but they'll do that. You know, a retail center can justify saying, Well, we get a percentage of your revenue because you're here, but we got a Walmart here that's driving traffic to your yeah, basically we're so- your
1: marketing center. <laughs> it's basically what yeah,
0: yeah, you're we're your marketing center. center. But that doesn't happen in industrial, but I do have the right to request the tenant's financials, so I could like actually make a stat and say. Okay. Because if I had to sell the building or refinance it, then they, someone might ask for the financials for the tenant. So there's usually a clause like that in the lease that I can obtain those. So, or I got a public traded tenant and I can just go online and look at it. So, yeah.
1: Well, Jeremy, this has been awesome, man. This has really been cool. Yeah. I think that um, one of the things that people should get from this is like the game's still the game. Like I, the yeah. numbers that we talk about, some of these entrepreneurs are doing a million, two million things like that. You're doing loans of bigger numbers. But I think the feel from i get from you is like the the math's just the math and like you're it just is. playing a bigger game you still have problems you still have stress it doesn't matter and i think that that's like it's i want not use the word encouraging i don't know if that's the right word i think the idea is like you can try some shit like and utilize some strategies like you had just mentioned to kind of piggyback or you know kind of like a you know, you're just a, an apprentice on somebody with your money
0: and then yeah. the
1: card. And then eventually you eventually do your own
0: thing, right? You
1: go, okay, I can. Sure.
0: It yeah. It's uh, I think the big thing is thinking bigger, just think bigger. Cause it's very attainable. You know, I remember one time we were on a, a we were meeting with a tenant and they were in about 350,000 feet and they needed to go get a million square foot warehouse. And they were like, and my brother told them this, they go, well, you guys have never done a million square foot lease. I'm like, my brother goes, yeah, you know what the difference is? They go, what? He goes, air. <laughs> it's just air. It's just more air. <laughs> That's all it is. So I, I would think for entrepreneurs, just think about that. There's it's just, just more toilets. It's, There's just it more. Is. It's just more. It's just, it's another zero, right? It's another, just put another zero on it. Right. And, um, Think bigger because, I you know for me, on back in the brokerage world, like representing a five thousand foot tenant is a hell of a lot harder than representing a fifty thousand foot tenant. Usually, just because of the sophistication of the client, someone that's in fifty thousand feet's probably leased fifty thousand or thirty thousand or twenty thousand feet before or five thousand. This might be their first deal, right? So it's a lot more handholding, you know. So if you can look at ways in your business to scale to just a bigger number quickly, like. I, I, it, it, it's the same amount of work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I turned down it. you know, one of my, one of my guys brought a deal to me the other day. and He's like, Hey man, I like this deal. I looked at it. And I was like, it's $900,000. It's great. But like, fuck man, like you're going to have to drive it was in Fort Worth. I was like, you're going to have to drive over Fort Worth. That's 30 minutes. You know, why don't we find a $5 million deal in Fort Worth that we still have to drive 30 minutes over to, you know? The, the tasks are the same, you know? And so, so, you know, just think a little bigger, find a way, you know I mean? Like, you know, know your shit, know your numbers, you know? Uh, but like, that's how that, I think that's, that, that was the biggest thing I took away probably over the last two years was like, I, I spent so many years selling private equity companies buildings. And I just went, I can, I, I don't, they need me. I know where the deals are. All they have is money, you know? And um, I was like, I can go get money and I know where the deals are. So I'm just going to go do this. And, I think and then just I was like, oh. even
1: what you just said was like, it's the same, like, it's the same. It's the same thought pattern at a hundred grand a year. It's like, Hey, I just found out I actually have value in this situation. Wait a yeah. minute. It's, and I think that like what you're sharing is like, it's just interesting because people think that like, okay, if I'm doing it like this, I have all these problems and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, wait a minute, same thought pattern is at this level. It's, exact, it is. it's literally the same. And people think it, there's a magic trick.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's getting up and doing the same shit again every day. Uh, it, dude, it's like I said, it's not, you can't, it, it, I hate the word side hustle. Like if someone, if someone says, you know, everybody will slide into your DMS with these bullshit. Hey, do you want a side hustle? I'm like, my automatic response is, there are no part-time gangsters. And they're like, uh, uh, You know, what do you say to that? Right. Yeah. I'm working on this shit. I'm not working on this and this and this and this and this and and sucking at all of those. Yeah. Like I am fucking buying buildings at a hard scale. I have a very high caloric intake for them. I know what I'm doing. That's what I want to do. You know, so I think get really clear on your vision, what you want to do, and then think a lot bigger than you're thinking. Once your mind expands, it doesn't really contract. So that was interesting
1: once yeah. whoa that's actually really cool shit once your mind like basically once you see something you can't unsee it
0: yeah yeah so once you've learned to think up here you know your mind goes to here it doesn't really go back your mind is like that one muscle that yeah you need to constantly be keeping it but like once you know something like you said once you see it you can't unsee it so you
1: know what i was telling somebody the other day because obviously guitar and things like that and if yeah if, when you said all musicians that you know that the problem oh all you need is one you're like yeah that size that's this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like the one thing I remember like the reason I bring this up because it kind of brings it the same day it's like wh- I, I decided to learn to play guitar and so I decided to play out three hours a day for a year now this is mind yeah. you I wasn't in my I was in my 30s and I was like look I'm gonna do this and what I looked at and the, what I at the time the way that I laid it out I was like one year learn the skill I can do this for the rest of my life and I mean to yeah. point or not. But, like, even when you don't play, I'm assuming you play guitar. It's kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this when you're playing, that like you'll pick it up and then you'll be like, oh, dude, Mike, well, you just pick up your electric so your fingers don't hurt. But if you pick yeah. up an acoustic and you play it, they'll start to hurt. But, dude, you're still in the game.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: And it's like locked in. And it's like, yeah. it's this weird thing. I think that that is like so true about putting yourself in other circles, seeing things that you've never seen. And your mind just goes, what the fuck, what are we doing here? And then it's kind yeah. of fills those holes. I saw that you kind of did an event or came to an event in here in San Diego. Is that the, is that where you're at right now? You think you're at a, a push point where you're like trying to squeeze a little more of that juice out, meaning like challenges and things like that. Is that,
0: you, you know, um, it's funny. I, I, I've never been in a mastermind or anything like that till I joined, uh, apex and, um, that shit just ain't in commercial real estate, right? Commercial real estate is a very tight knit old money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my joke is in Dallas, you grow up in Highland park, you go to SMU, you move back to Highland park and get into commercial real estate. Like it's just this <laughs> circle, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so that's, that's what a lot of people do. But, uh, you know, so you don't really kind of get out of that bubble and I ended up joining Apex, you know, it's funny. I, I signed up and I was like, they are like, okay, so, you know, we do this social media stuff. And I was like, I don't even fucking have Facebook, man. Like, I don't, I don't have social media. So like, I, I will like, say, Oh, I got to learn this. Right. Well, I've actually had some really good benefit from it, you know? Um, and uh, I think it's, if you're not continually evolving, right. And like learning new things, you're just dying, you know? So I think, you know, going to that event, that was all residential stuff. But I learned one thing there that might make me 10 times what I paid to go to the event, right? And uh, so, you know, I think just putting yourself in those rooms, putting yourself in those situations. um, You know, that event was put on by uh, Kent Clothier, and I remember hearing him speak one time. He said, hey, if you're not in the room uh, sitting at the table, then you're being served for dinner. You know, so I think I thought that was interesting. I was like, if you're not in the room with these people learning all these different things, you're just the food. You know what I mean? You're not going to get to eat because these people are going to figure out how to eat. and You're just going to be food. So I always thought that was very interesting. So it's it's pushed me into learning some different things like, you know, doing some different marketing techniques for, you know, the. Uh, you know, increasing automation stuff like that for our processes, procedures. You know, it's it's a constantly evolving deal. Uh, with well, when I was actually lit, when I was actually like going through and kind of learning a little bit about you, I was like
1: you know, one of the conversations and maybe we'll do another podcast one day, I've had a great time. And one of the yeah. conversations that I was kind of, I was going back and I was like, man, all these old systems that I'm sure that steel business ran on, you know, just yeah. regular ticket, you know, here's the ticket yeah. and you got a hand yeah. ticket or, and all this yeah. paper, this all over the place, parts placed in a certain thing. And you had to hold your part ticket probably was like kept for years and like you have in the back yeah. room. So yeah, I could imagine just the transition from that formula. Cause that's a, Dude, that I mean steel business is like, we I don't give a shit. Send your PO. I don't care what the PO looks like. Just get the shit to yeah. me. like there's nothing yeah. sexy
0: about right. it. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's that's what it is. And uh but uh yeah, I think uh continually evolving, right? So that's yeah, that's where I see myself just you know, I I want to further expand my mind, right? I wanna I want to figure out better ways. Like I want to, I want to continually improve. That's really, that's really kind of what I strive for in, in everything that I do. Well, so.
1: where, where could uh, everybody find you? So let's say they want to do a uh, deal or do whatever. How do they find you? Brother? Yeah.
0: So um, my Instagram is JB Merco, i R C O. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jeremy Mercer. Um, uh, if you're looking for space in Dallas, we have the Mercer company, Uh Commercial brokerage www.mercer-company.com, and uh, if you're interested in real estate deals, you can go to my private equity company uh, www.matadorcapital.com. It's matador-capital.com, and uh, you can see all the assets that we own, so you get a good, real good idea of what we buy and um, and whatnot. And uh, you know, uh, just email me through there, uh, Jeremy at matador hyphen capital or jeremy at mercer hyphen company so get a hold of me so right on man that closes us out for this episode of the moved
1: entrepreneur of all Podcast. jeremy Mercer, the man dude thanks a lot brother all right thank you jace appreciate it if you like this episode make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the youtube channel just like nike is to athletes moved is to entrepreneurs